following is a message from Living Waters Church in Elk River, Minnesota. For more information, visit livingwatersmn.org. We're continuing. I am just, you're probably thinking I'm just fixated, but I'm continuing to meditate on that verse that the God of all hope would fill you with all joy and peace in believing. And it just so happens that even this time of Advent, um, each week lines up with aspects of this verse. That the first week was hope, and the next week, last week, was faith. You know, that we would be filled with all joy and peace in believing, in faith. It's the, it's the same Greek word. And uh, this week we're talking about joy. Next week we're talking about peace. And I just believe this is something that the Lord, this is a declaration that he is speaking over us, that the God of hope would fill us with joy and peace in believing this morning. So we're believing for that. Um, we Last week, Pastor Bob spoke on Faith, and it was an awesome word coming off the heels of the kids telling the Christmas story. Didn't they do an awesome job? How many of you were here and got to see the kids tell the story of great joy, bring the message of great joy? And uh, Pastor Bob talked about the gift that keeps on giving, that there is more to unwrap in the gift that Jesus gave, that there's more. I loved that word picture. He brought, brought a gift up front. And that word picture of, you know, first we have to receive the gift and be willing to take the gift. But it doesn't do a lot of good. Like none of us get a gift at Christmas and just set it in the middle of the table and leave it there for the year, right? I mean, not if, not if we're, you know, paying attention. And... And that we have to be willing to unwrap the gift. And then we have to be willing to actually use the gift because we know that it's something that is good for life, for our life, the gift that Jesus gives us. And so I feel like even this, as we talk about these very familiar topics in the Christian faith, this is not the first time you're ever going to hear a sermon on joy. This is not the first time you've ever heard sermons on hope or faith But as we talk about these very familiar things, are we willing to fully unwrap them? Are we willing to fully utilize them where it's like like finding out that this gift that someone gave us does something we didn't know it did? Like, that's amazing. I thought it just did this, but it actually does all this. It's an amazing thing. And so we want to fully unwrap that today. One of the things that just really was so real to me this morning was the revelation that even just the message of Jesus coming brought great joy. That, that he hadn't even done anything yet. There was, there was no evidence that he was going to lead people out of bondage. But the message itself came with a spirit of joy. That the shepherds heard the message, and they were joyful. And then I'm thinking, if I hear the message, and I'm so excited, I'm joyful, and I'm going to go find it, I'm going to go find this one that they're talking about, that I want to see, like, some fireworks or something, right? Like, I want to see, I want to come and see, you know, the, the deliverer of Israel. And no, they came and they saw 
a baby in a dirty barn, essentially homeless, being cared for by a somewhat adolescent young woman. But they, the message and the truth came with joy, even though it wasn't evident yet in what was there. And so we want to tap into that this morning. When the wise men even saw the star, it says in Matthew 2.10, when they saw this star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy because it was a sign of something. Was it the thing? No, it was the sign of the thing. And they rejoiced in the sign of the thing. So even the, the promise carries joy. But we have an access to, to not just the promise, but the manifestation of the promise. And so that's what we're going to dive in today. Here's the thing is, I want us to walk away with, I want to put some handles on this joy <laughs> so that you can carry it with you. I think sometimes the concept of hope or peace or joy or love can be so ethereal and, and conceptual and like, like elusive. But I'm hoping that today it's like, like it, not only does it fill it, but it's like we can hold on to it. There's something that we understand in our spirit about joy that we actually can carry it with us, that it's not just a concept that we talk about. So what is this joy that we're talking about? Obviously, we've heard this before, joy is not the same as happiness. Joy is different, that's why it's a different word. <laughs> it's not the same as happiness. Here's, here's what I was realizing today, that happiness is rooted in what happens. So really, it's called happiness. <laughs> right? Joy is not the same as happiness. It's not the same as the emotions connected to what's happening in my life. It's a, it's a different thing. Our joy is not rooted in what happens to me and around me, but it's rooted in what God is doing in me and through me. So even though nothing was happening different around the shepherds, although, okay, angels visiting and the heavenly host, okay, yeah, I'll give them that. That was a big deal. But nothing had changed yet about their life. Do you understand? When Jesus came into the manger, nothing had changed yet. But there was an amazing joy because everything had changed. Because something had come into the picture that now God was doing something in and through his people because of Jesus. So our joy is not attached to what happens to me and around me. It's attached to what's happening in me and through me. When I see circumstances that don't make me happy in, in other people's lives or, or going on around me, I can have joy because actually God wants to impact that circumstance through me. That's, that's joy. Not just he's doing something in me, but when we talk about being filled to overflowing, it means I have enough joy to know that God wants to impact that through me. So even though that's hard and that looks difficult, I can have joy because it's not attached to what's happening. It's attached to what God is doing. Amen? 
joy begins and ends with God. So here's, here's the question. Am I full of it? Don't answer that. I mean about me. You can answer it about you. Am I full of joy? How do we know when the Bible talks about being filled with the fullness of joy? What does that mean? Does that mean that I walk around and I'm just always smiling and I never catch my face in a reflection? <laughs> Have you ever done that? Have you ever been walking somewhere and you catch your face in a reflection and you go, oh, what is her problem? <laughs> does, does it mean I just always, well, I mean, I think there's an aspect of countenance. But what does it look like to be full of joy? How do we know if we're full of joy? First, I want to make this differentiation that there is a fullness of joy that only happens in the age to come. That's just a reality. There is a fullness of joy that can only happen when Jesus returns and reigns. And so we need to be mindful of that, that yes, we can be full of joy, but there is a joy, so much joy, in the age to come. This is a hope that our hearts can be set on. There is a joy that comes that means that all competing emotions are completely excluded. There is a joy that comes that means there's nothing except that joy. And, and we know this because in Revelation 21.4, it talks about a time when he will wipe away every tear, when death will be no more, neither shall there be mourning or crying or pain, because the former things have passed away. This is not that time. This is not that time of that fullness of joy. That is a time that we have our hope set on, that is a time that in the midst of everything going on, we go, and th that is the thing that makes us go, the spirit and the bride say, come. Because there's the longing for the fullness of joy when every other experience is excluded. Any other, any death, gone. Sorrow, gone. There is a fullness of joy that is to come, and we can have hope for that. A fullness of joy in the age to come that means competing and contrary emotions are gone. But there is a fullness of joy that we can experience right now in this day that says competing and contrary emotions and experience are outweighed. Not gone but they are outweighed by the fullness of joy that we can experience in this time. Do we still have sorrow in this time? Yes, we do. The Bible was very clear on that, that we would continue to experience sorrow, but that there would be a joy that outweighs the sorrow in the midst of it. That, that when we come to that place of sorrow, the scale tips with joy, with a fullness of joy. So we need to recognize when we are having sorrow, it doesn't mean we're not filled with joy. When we have these, these contrary emotions, it doesn't mean like you don't get it, you're not full of the spirit of joy. 
Because there's a fullness of joy we can't experience yet. It's what creates the contrast for us of recognizing how amazing it is when his kingdom is fully established and there's a fullness of joy in which there's nothing competing or contrary to that. But now we, we have a fullness of joy that outweighs all of that. So here's how I know if I'm walking in fullness of joy in this age, in, in between the first coming and the second coming of Jesus, this is what it looks like to walk with fullness of joy, that, that the joy that he brings outweighs the sorrow that we're having and overflows to others. That there is, there's a generosity of spirit that happens even in the midst of mourning. Here's a, here's a, a biblical example. In 2 Corinthians 8.1, <clears throat> Paul says, Moreover, brethren, we want to make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, that in great trial of affliction and sorrow, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the richness of their liberality. For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, beyond their ability, they were freely willing. What, what this is saying is, he's saying, I want to show you this model of the fullness of joy, that in the midst of great tribulation and sorrow, the, this people gave with generosity because the joy outweighed the sorrow. And he's not just talking financially, or I'm not. I don't know what he's talking about. I don't think he's only talking financially. I'm not only talking financially. I'm talking that, that I know that I am full of joy when even in the midst of sorrow, I can give. Can I tell you one of the... Uh, there is an amazing place of the grace of God in the midst of sorrow. I have never experienced the fullness of joy, <laughs> a joy that is not dependent on circumstances as, I, as much as I did when we lost my mom. When, when she went home to be with the Lord and, and it was disappointing, but there was something in me, there was a grace on my life, there was a fullness of joy that on the day that we were celebrating her life, the celebration of life, can I tell you that legitimately in my heart was care and comfort for the however many people that came. That there was something pouring out of my life in the midst of that sorrow that I was filled with a fullness of joy that, that wanted to hug other people, not because I needed it, because they needed it. I don't know how to explain it other than it is a supernatural joy because I'm not that great. I'm pretty selfish. I, I like my own pain and, you know, well, I don't really actually. That's not a true statement. But the reality is that's not of me. But there was a fullness of joy that came and a generosity of spirit that I know was from the Lord. This is how we know that we're full of joy. Not that we can dance and skip and sing when everything's going well, but like Beth testified, that in the middle of grieving and mourning, there was a song coming out. In the middle of grieving and mourning, 
her coworkers, her, her company says, you have joy, and it's like spilling out. That's how we know that we have fullness of joy. Not that we don't sorrow, but in the midst of it, we can give out of it. We know that we're going to continue to have sorrow. Paul said, 2 Corinthians 6.10, We are sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. It's a joy that outweighs the sorrow. Sometimes it takes a minute for the scale to tip. But we need to remember that the joy outweighs the sorrow. We also need to remember but th- that the sorrow is okay. We're not, we're not in the wrong because we have the sorrow. But that he wants to come with a sorrow that outweighs that. Or with a joy that outweighs that. I love the rest of that verse. We are sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. As poor, yet making many rich as having nothing and yet possessing all things. This is the the realities of the kingdom of heaven. He says to weep with those who weep. It's okay to have sorrow. We know that the joy outweighs the sorrow. So sorrow is not excluded, but it's outweighed by the joy, and it overflows. This is how we know that we're walking in fullness of joy. Another way that we know that we're walking in the fullness of joy is that we recognize that our quest has been satisfied, that we have found the the true source of joy. So let me explain that a little bit. We may have ups and downs. We may have things that we go through and, and, and wrestle with faith, but how I know that I'm operating in the fullness of joy is because even in those ups and downs, I know that I still only have one answer, that I have found the answer to that joy. So, so I might have sorrow. I might have grieving. I might have things that, that come into my life but I know that there's not another place that I'm going to find satisfaction for my soul. This is how I know that I'm being filled with all joy. I don't look to something else in the midst of that time. I don't, in the midst of sorrow, I don't go, well, maybe, maybe if I just do this, maybe if I just, you know, like typical things might be uh, pleasures in, in drinking or in, whatever it is. Any, any place that I would go except for him. Because he's the source. I know that I am overflowing or, or filled with joy when even in the midst of sorrow and pain, I know where to go. And I know that there's not another place. Paul said, I count everything else as loss. This is how I know that I'm being filled with joy when I count everything else as loss. When even in my happy times, do you know that you can have happiness I love that. I'm going to make a t-shirt about that. It's not about happiness. You can have happiness. You can have the the pleasure experience from what's happening in your life and not be filled with joy. There are times I can have all this pleasure in my life 
But I only know that I'm filled with joy when I count it all as loss, except for him. So it's not, sometimes we can think that when we're in good circumstances, we can be like, look at all the joy on me. I have so much joy right now. No, you don't. You have happiness. <laughs> I, this is going to catch on. I'm telling you. I'm just going to keep saying it until you all like the word. I just am. <laughs> we don't want happiness. You can be in a happy time and not have fullness of joy. So I know that I'm being filled with all joy when I know that I'm at the end of my search for the source of joy, even as things aren't fully complete, even as things aren't, aren't fully whole and working out in every possible way. I know that I've found the source of that. I've found what that means. In Psalms 107, I don't know where in 107, somewhere in the middle, around verse 9, he says, he satisfies the longing soul and the hungry soul he fills with good things. When I am in a season of longing, I am filled with all joy when I know where to go to be satisfied. That there's one place that's going to satisfy me. Psalm twenty-two twenty-six says, the afflicted will eat and be satisfied. When I'm afflicted, I know where to go to eat. This is how I know I'm being filled with joy. I find my satisfaction in him. The other reason, or the other place that I know, and Beth touched on this too, I know that I'm being filled with the fullness of joy when it starts spilling out of me tangibly. That's what worship is. Praise. That's what praise is. That, that, that out of my mouth... I'm, I'm singing his goodness. That there's, there's something physically happening in me. Have you ever been with someone in the middle of awful, horrendous circumstances and there is a song of the Lord on their lips? There's a song of his goodness and it's, it's the fullness of joy just spilling out of them. Can I encourage you? It'll be a better worship experience for all of us if we all... Take a minute on our way into church. You might have to like put that argument aside or whatever, because that's actually you know this living right next to the church has been very good for our marriage, because there is no time to argue about anything on the way over. It's really good. Um, anyway, that's a totally not related, but but the point is we could try, yeah, be a little bit visible. I'm not sure. Um, the, what I'm saying is, on your way into church, take a minute and get filled with joy so that when we come together and worship, there's like an overflow yeah. happening. Worship is not necessarily meant to convince us. Worship is us coming together and spilling out who God is and the goodness of who he is. And so you don't have to fake it. I'm not asking you to fake it. I'm just saying there's a, a fullness of joy that comes that is ours in the Lord that allows us to spill out tangibly with his goodness in the midst of it. That it, it when, I, when I praise, it activates in my body. When I, when I have joy, it activates in my body in the, in the way that I speak. 
songs and other forms of exuberance, that we would delight in him to the degree that it comes out of our mouths and through, through our bodies. That's, that's what, you know, when, when um, in Ephesians, he's saying, don't get drunk on wine, for that's debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart. Do you know that what we do here on Sunday morning to an outsider could look like drunkenness. I just thought that was really interesting. Don't get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then what that looks like is we're singing songs to one another about the goodness of God. We're making melodies in our heart. So I don't have to laugh hysterically or roll on the ground or stumble to look drunk in the Spirit Some of the stuff I do up here, this nonsense, that looks like drunkenness. And it's coming out of the flow of joy in my life. There are times in in praise where I feel like I can't smile any bigger (laughs) because there's just this, this joy. And you know what's interesting? I very rarely can have joy well up in me without it actually forcing tears out of my eyes. I've I've been annoyed about it for years that when the spirit of joy comes in and I feel this joy, it starts with a smile and kind of a laugh and it becomes weeping. And I believe, honestly, I've asked the Lord about that. I think that he's allowing sorrow to be displaced from me. He's allowing, when, when faith comes up in me and I have this joy of who he is and what he's doing and then I start to weep and I go, oh, why can't I just laugh like other people? But I start to weep and I feel like he's saying, I'm, pu- I'm pressing out all the unbelief right now. I'm displacing that as I fill you with my joy. So we can know we're being filled with joy just by what's coming out of our mouths. <laughs> we had a, Several years ago, um, we had a coworker of Jay Bryan's who stopped by on Christmas Eve as we're getting ready to host. He was just in the area, and he stopped by, and we're like, hey, and we're standing in the entry like, okay, good to see you, and we've got company coming over, and we realized we can invite him to stay for Christmas Eve. He was there because he didn't, he didn't have any family in the area. He didn't have, and so we invited him to come in and do Christmas Eve with us, and um, it was unique to have, you know, somebody that's not part of your normal group, but it was really cool to have him there. And the comment he made was, wow, this is the most fun I've ever seen anyone have while sober. <laughs> there was something in, in what we were doing, and part of it was we told the Christmas story, we sang songs together, we laughed and enjoyed one another, but, but he, there was... You know, normally you have to be drunk to look like that. So there's something in allowing the the joy of the Lord to spill out of our mouths. And it's not as, I don't know how to, it's not as deep as you think it is. You don't have to go that, you know, when you come in to, to praise, just go a little deeper and allow that wellspring to come forth. Just Just reach for that a little bit. It's there. Okay, so here, that was three ways that we know that we're full of it. That, that we may have sorrow, but joy outweighs the sorrow and it overflows onto others. That we know where to come for satisfaction. 
even in ups and downs, it's already been decided what my source is, what my source of joy, and then that it spills out in praise, in the testimony of who God is. So where is it found? This one's quick because we all know, don't we? We all know where joy is found. Psalm 1611 says, You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. He is, God is the beginning and the end of joy for us. He is the source of joy. In the person of Jesus is where we find that joy. Hebrews 1.9, it, it quotes something out of Psalms, but it's about Jesus. And it says, he was anointed with joy above all others. So that's where I'm going. When I need joy, he, I'm going to the person who's anointed with joy above all others. That he's, he's the source of joy for me. It's found in his presence. That word presence means in his face, in his person, face to face with him. This is, this is a place that we can go for joy. We need to get face to face with him. Because his whole person exudes it. So what does it look like? for you to get face to face with him so that you can be filled with all joy. We do that some on these days, on Sunday mornings. We get face to face with him and we look at who he is and, and we, we, we uh, are in wonder of who he is and it begins to fill us with joy. The other question that I wanted to answer was, who is it for? And I'm not going to go into these very, very deeply. Where is it found? Who, it is, who is it for? But I want to remind us of the scripture today. Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which is for all people. This is why we have the privilege and the responsibility of carrying joy, because there is a message that is good news for all people. And so this is why it needs to overflow from us. Everybody needs to know. This is, this is why, again, even the message, we need to believe that even the message of who he is and what he did is reason for joy. I think we can sometimes lose, lose uh, the joy of salvation <laughs> Uh, David said, restore unto me the joy of your salvation. And that's one thing that I want us in this season to capture the reality of a Savior coming to earth, that there would be the joy of salvation. In Luke, Jesus said, after he sent them out, he sent them out to, uh, to, to minister, and they had all this power, and they saw demons flee, and they were so excited, said so they returned with joy. Because they were so excited. Jesus, you wouldn't believe it. We had this one guy and this happened. They, it was like testimony night of all the things that God was doing. And yes, that is, that is the, the outworking of what Jesus came to do. But he said, nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice that your names are written in heaven. We cannot neglect the joy of salvation. We cannot think it a small thing. We cannot 
go, yeah, but what about? There's an enormous joy in salvation. There's an enormous joy in knowing that our names are written in heaven, partially because it helps us know we will have access to that fullness of joy at the end of the age that we don't fully get to experience here. There's, there's a joy in salvation. Psalms 32.1 says, Oh, what joy for those whose sins are forgiven and lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not remember his sin. What joy there is in that. Do we understand the joy of that? What that means for us. And then... We need to remember what joy that is for other people. Do you re- the message of salvation is a message of great joy. Yeah. And, and people need to hear it. And we need to have faith that it's a message of great joy. It was great joy in our lives. But when we forget that, we forget to bring the message. We forget that other people need that message. So we want to connect to the joy of our salvation. Okay, so how do we, how do we get filled with joy? It's going to be really fast. We get face to face with Jesus, but here's the thing I want us to think about. We can't be filled with joy if we're already filled with something else. That, that even in joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. <laughs> there's, there's a, there's, we need to make room for that joy. We need to make room by not filling ourselves with other things. And so we're asking ourselves, am I full of something else? Good or bad? Am I full of fear? Am I full of happiness for the things that are going right in my life? Or do I count those things as lost so that I can fully receive the joy of the Lord? So we need to make space. One of the ways that we make space is we remember that it's an exchange program. All throughout the Bible, it talks about he gives us joy for mourning. That means we get to bring him our mourning We get to bring him our our pain, our spirit of heaviness, and he's going to exchange it with us. It means I don't pretend it's not there. I don't hide it. I bring it to him, and I expect that he's going to exchange it, and I bring it to him as often as I need to. As often as I need to. There's been days when I've walked through times of sorrow where it's moment by moment bringing it to him. And letting him bring the oil of joy. So we recognize that it's an exchange program. In John 16, 20, as Jesus is preparing to leave, he says, you have sorrow now, but your sorrow will be turned to joy. And then he says, and this joy will not be able to be taken away from you. I have a faith for this in the exchange program with God. I still exchange sorrow with him over uh, my mom going home to heaven when I still want her here. 
And I can exchange or, or self-doubt if, if we had done this, if I had done that. Was I, was I kind enough? Was I, whatever it is that it's attached to those times of loss and sadness. And I exchange it with him rather than allowing myself to be full of it. Full of those, those feelings and, and those, I exchange it. The other piece, which is a whole sermon in itself, so I'm just going to encourage you to read it. The way that we get filled with joy is we abide in the vine. Jesus said in John 15, verses like 1 through 11, he said, abide in me. And he talks about abiding in the, in the vine, staying connected to the vine. And then he says, I tell you these things so your joy may be, so that you will have my joy and your joy may be filled. We need to recognize the source of this joy is not us. It's in, it's in the vine. And that we stay filled with joy by abiding in him. To abide means to remain in, to not depart, to be in the possession of, to be kept by. So we're going to abide in him. We're going to wait in him. And his joy is going to fill us. Amen? Okay. Let's stand. Jesus, we thank you for the joy that came at the message of your birth. We thank you for the joy that was in just the speaking of the promise. And Lord, we thank you that we get to experience the joy of the manifestation of the promise. We thank you that there's an even fuller manifestation to come, but we want the fullness of the manifestation that we can have now. The manifestation of fullness of joy in our lives. So we choose it today. We choose to make room for the the joy, the fullness of joy. Would you displace anything in us that's taking up space where your joy is meant to be. Would you come and be the great exchanger for us when we need to exchange something for your joy? Would you come and and take that, displace that, and fill us in those empty places? And Holy Spirit, would you help us to abide in the source of all joy? Would you help us to stay connected to and draw our life from? We thank you that joy is actually a fruit. (laughs) Joy is a fruit that gets produced from being connected to the vine. So would you help us to produce fruit just in our abiding in you? Draw us into a deeper place of joy. If we don't have the the fruit of joy in our lives, may we as the branch dive deeper into the vine. We thank you for a joy that outweighs every contrary and competing emotion in our lives. Let that be a reality today for each one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. To learn more about us, please visit livingwatersmn.org.